0: Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. My guest today is comedian Michael Malone. He has a new special called Wait and See, and I mean, it's it's comedy stripped down to the bare soul, and he talks about depression and dealing with uh, the, the death and loss and... And I mean, honestly, it hit me. It hit me harder than I thought it was going to. I think you're gonna like this. But I, I think you're gonna like this episode. This is really deep, and it's really emotional. And I mean, it might be one of my favorite episodes ever. So check it out, Mike Malone. Yeah. Woo! Can't wait for this, one, man. It's that reunited with an old friend, man. Yeah. One, two, three. Hit it, boys. Hey, it's Big T with Tails from a Gemini man today. I can't wait to get to my guest today. I was in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm thinking I'm king shit, you know, doing my comedy, thinking, yeah, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to blow these people out. And I got this feature act. Hey, how you doing, man? What's your, what's your name? Michael Malone. Nice to meet you, Mike Malone. And this kid goes up and he slaughters them. I mean, to the point of I had to call the police and they'd get the, the yellow tape out because he murdered that crowd. And I was like, I got to follow this shit all week. Now fast forward, I don't know how many years later, this guy, man, released a special and I'm watching it and this shit hit so deep that I had to pause it and I had to do one of those kind of, hmm, hmm, and I said, okay, okay, hmm, and then I went back in, I watched it and I was was like, God damn it, Mike, and I'm sitting there going, okay, I don't want to think about this shit, and I was like, okay, I think that's a sign of greatness, my guest today is Michael Malone. I was watching this special, Wait and See. And man, if there's ever the blueprint for comedy, I remember watching Louis C.K. one time, and he goes, Okay, you have this, you know, here's your act. And you go deeper, and then you go deeper, and then you go deeper. And it's exactly what you did with this. You took from your last special, La- Laugh After Death, you took that one. Yeah. And you with wait and see, God damn, that's 28 minutes of just funny but it's raw it reminds you it reminded me of dave chappelle's uh the bird revelation when he's in the, the little room at, at the at the at, oh, at, at, yeah. at, at the laugh act i mean uh at the comedy store and it, it's just uh, and to me personally okay when you come out and you can and the, the big crowd and everything and everything that's great but to me, I like when everything's scaled down, man, and you're just bearing your soul with an audience and you're just giving it to them. And okay, if they laugh, it's great, but I gotta get this shit off my soul. And that's to me what wait and see is about. When this special comes out, I want you guys to watch this. And I think if you're of a certain age, you know, you're of a certain age. I think if you've gone through anything in life and you watch this is gonna hit you. It's gonna, like I said last night, it's gonna stir your soul because that's what it did to me. I was like, God damn, Mike fucking beautiful mike malone how do how you doing brother thank you so much what a great intro i don't think i've ever
1: (laughs) that was that was incredible i'm so glad you liked it and and yeah and you're right i mean it you know, I find that that, um, you know, that silence, that that uncomfortability, is, that that's where all the good stuff is. And, uh, and I, yeah, man, th- thank you so much. I'm, I'm so glad you liked it. No, no, it's so
0: good to see you. Holy I, shit. I, I didn't like it. I loved it. I didn't like it. I fucking loved it is what I did. I didn't like. <laughs> like is what you do a little puppy on the sidewalk. Oh, I like that little puppy. Love is like, come here, little puppy, get my truck and shut the fuck up. I mean, so I loved it. <laughs> loved it. God thank damn. you, so much. you thank made that. You. you made that step up from what we call i mean to like greatness to the point i mean when you do shit like that it, it's great because it's a bearing of the soul there's nothing wow. on that that somebody can can hack somebody can take on the road okay this is, i'm gonna take this and no right it's yours and it's just fuck man i mean how long did it take you to get to that point where you trusted yourself in front of an audience Oh
1: man. Uh it's been a while and I you know I discovered that uh when I was working on the last special Laugh After Death and there's a closing piece in there that's about 15 or 20 minutes long and yes. it's all about losing my parents and mm-hmm. and and going to therapy for the first time and and all these of darker issues and even at one point in the crowd uh, or in the special i talk about how much that i i hated the crowd and i was mad at them and while i was grieving and stuff like that and so i was i was opening up and i was being very honest in a way that i'd never done before um and what i found was that i was connecting with an audience in a way that i had never before and um I talk about this a lot, but the advice that I got from Leo Flowers, who's a great comic. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you know Leo or not, but he's, yeah. in, he's incredible. And, and Leo told me, he goes, you know, you need to stop worrying about killing and start connecting. And uh, he shared, you know, he said, he said, open micers, kill. Yes. If you can connect with an audience, that's when you're really doing something. And so I took that advice mixed with what Ricardo Flanagan, another good friend of mine, told me uh, rest in peace. I fucking love Ricardo. He's, man, he was incredible. And, you know, we used to talk till three or four in the morning, you know, about this and that and comedy. And, and at the time, I, I wasn't sharing any of that on stage. And he told me, we're, we're, I'll never forget this. We're in my kitchen and a little studio apartment in Hollywood. And we're talking shop. It's like 3 in the morning. And he goes, all that stuff that you're not saying, that's what they want to hear. And, man, that, that mixed with the advice I had from Leo changed everything for me. And I started opening up and being more honest about my grief and depression and, and you know, um my journey and and I, cause I was always a very personal comic. All of my jokes and, and and stuff like that before have always been about my family, about you know my life and this and that. because uh, that you, you hit it on the head. the last thing you want to do is go to a club. You've got fifteen killer minutes on Burger King, <laughs> and then the guy in front of you is like, "Let me tell you about Burger King." You're like, "Ah, fuck." <laughs> so I've always kept it very personal, and 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 in in that regard, so I I don't have to worry about you know this guy's not going to do jokes about his mother being a vampire. I am. <laughs> you know what I mean so like it's always been very personal for me but it was it was taking that to the next level and sharing that stuff that that I thought that only I was feeling and when I started sharing it I realized that a lot more people felt that way or were going through something that that nobody was really talking about
0: but how did you like trust yourself to 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 make that walk i mean cuz that's the oh, the battle i think a lot of comics and it's funny because you 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 can get two different camps there's kinds there's comics like me who i fucking love when y'all do that cuz i don't trust myself to do it i mean i and hope and mike yeah but when it's like, you know, yeah. it, it, on a Friday night, second like show, it's like, OK, do I trust myself to to take that walk of, OK, I'm going to get away from all this. Let me let me tell you my fucking soul, how I'm afraid of this or how when I grew up, you know, I, that, you know, uh, these people intimidated me. And that's how the person I am today. Or yeah. I just, you know, just uh, did the old second job. How did you trust yourself to get to that point where you, you bared your soul, but you made it funny without preaching?
1: Yeah it's it's interesting you know what I you know uh, it, it goes back to a little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down you know <laughs> and so what I would try to do would would be I would <laughs> I would write it almost like a roller coaster yeah right so you were having fun where it's a good time and then i punch you in your fucking gut and yeah. you feel it and then before you know it, before you can think about it too much, we're having fun again and we're and, and it's all good. And, you know, there's jokes and 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 then I'm punching your fucking gut again. Yeah. And I felt like that was the formula that that I have not only with stand up now, but with, you know, when I was writing film and, and, and my book, Dead Serious, all those stories kind of ended up kind of in that formula where we're having fun and it's a good time. And then I'm punching your fucking gut and you make you feel something. And then we're having fun before you know it. And that padding allowed me to be open and expressive with those without turning the audience off um because you can't do twenty minutes of of sad shit without giving them a little a little treat right. <laughs> you know? yes. And yes
0: sometimes yeah.
1: and sometimes I would even prep the audience i would i when I was working on uh laugh after death uh i was I was running that ending and I, and i would I would have to prep the audience i would say. I would say, look, um, we're going to get dark here towards the end, but I need you to trust me. And, you know, I would give them a little warning, heads up, you know, whatever. And when I was working on this, when I felt them get uncomfortable, what I got in the habit of doing was telling them, you know, and you'll see it in the special, it's let's get darker. Yes. And it's prepping them to to know that it's going to be okay and you trust me and we're going to be fine, but we're going to go a little deeper now. And, uh, and and so it was giving them call signs to let them know that, like, it, it's going to get even worse. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so so I found like those little tricks uh, keeps an audience engaged, keeps them interested and lets them feel uh, safe, if that's the word you want to
0: use. You know, it, it, to me, I, I was surprised how I connected with that. Because, okay, like, you know, losing your parents, I was like, okay, that, I know that day is going to come. So, you yeah. know, my dad's kind of sick now. It's like, okay, okay. And and that hit on a different, I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then the part that I wasn't really ready for that snuck up on me was the depression and the suicide part. Because I was like... You know, I said, yeah. you know, it's this life ain't really turning out like I really kind of envisioned and, and I thought, well, what's going to happen in the yeah. future? I said, I'm, I'm this age and I don't really have any money saved up and this and that. And what I'm doing, I was like, and I was like, Oh, and you know, it's, I, you know, I, I read through, I looked at the, you know, the brochure, I looked at like, you know, okay. <laughs> and so it's like, I yeah. thought though, so you brought it up. I was like, good for you. And it's like, and I think that part when you mentioned about and and the counseling, and when you go, have, you know, have you thought about it? Yeah. And then it's almost like it was weird how you were trying to you were trying to tell that counselor or whatever, yeah, I kind of thought about it, or I I I thought about how I wanted to do it. And then, then they they went a different way. And you're like, really? that's kind of shitty. Here I am. Yeah. You give me a, a, a open my heart up and then you're you're gonna shut me down. And it's like, and, and I I almost got mad, like, yeah. You know, they they want you to do all this and then you fucking do that, and then they they but and they pull the old Lucy with the football trick on you you know yeah.
1: yeah yeah that's that's how healthcare is here in america you know you 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 literally have to be dying before somebody's going to help you and sometimes you got to wait in line to do that yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and the mental health in america i what i was coming across was uh especially being a dude from the midwest growing up in the 90s like you're not allowed to talk about your feelings. You're not allowed to feel a certain way or be expressive or whatever. And you know, I joke about it in the special too. Where it's like, you know, have you tried punching shit? Have, yeah. you, have you tried shooting it? Well, I don't know. Then you know, yeah. it, it's just those that kind of walk it off mentality that we've grown up with uh has has not. You know, it's it's a broken system. We, we how, you know. Uh, how long do we have to keep ignoring this or keep pushing these feelings down, especially for men in this country, um, before we, we say it's okay to, to feel something? And that was that was the main main thing that I was getting from audiences after the show when I started doing doing this material was you know hey we brought my brother out to the show he's having a hard time we didn't know it was going to be like this thank you so much for speaking out and you know I kept getting messages like that which was similar to the messages I was getting in my first special laugh after death which was we just lost my my father we just lost my mother and you know nobody we you know we came here to escape it but here you are talking about it and it made us feel. Even better about it because we felt less alone. And that's the feeling of depression. That isolation is is so overwhelming. You know, you feel like, oh, I'm the only one that that feels like this. There's something wrong with me. There's you know, this is my life. You know, I'm I'm fucked up. And then when you you scale out and you realize that everybody's a little fucked up, uh, it makes you feel better and it and it makes you feel less alone. And that's kind of the message that I was trying to get across too. in this was that, like, even even if you feel like even if at your worst right now, it's going to get better it, it has to get better right it, it can't yeah. get any fucking worse right, so right, right. wait and see
0: <laughs> okay so so what's then what's the normal then because in fact everybody i feel like everybody is has, has a little fucked up but but what is a perceived yeah. normal is, is it a, is a perception of what normal is that that maybe the the media is projecting that we're going okay this is normal when and under, when underneath it we don't know because what i'm thinking of now is that song by rem everybody hurts and and that cannot yeah. be that to me pinpointed everybody hurts even the people you don't think they do they do in a certain way they just don't show it
1: yeah yeah it's like that <laughs> it's like that old saying uh you know and if you if you if you see somebody so attractive you're like point out the hottest person you know and i will point out somebody who's tired of fucking <laughs> it is <laughs> everybody it, it doesn't matter how much money you have or how happy you are or how in shape you are any of those things don't matter you know what i mean like I was in great shape and and looked awesome, and I was satisfied. I had four abs and two dead parents. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. shit wasn't okay. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, So, everybody does hurt. Everybody has something going on, but we're we're marketed to in a way, especially in this country where we're built for tough, and everybody's the Marlboro Man, and you you know you you, you brush it off and you you know all those those macho that alpha mentality where we're not allowed to to let the the curtain down a little bit and show you that not everybody has the white picket fence and the 3.5 kids and the and the you know and the family vacation every year and all these things that we're marketed to to think that this is the american dream and this is normal and this is what you should be or else you're not you're you're below average uh, you know, I grew up middle class and still am middle class and my family was middle class. And that was the normal that I grew up in. And I feel like that that idea of like everybody's going to college. We have two dogs and a white picket fan, all that, you know, all that stuff they market to us. That's not what life is that's not the normal the norm is is below that you know how i grew up you know and and so i feel like it comes down to marketing and that 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 alpha mentality that macho mentality that america has that we're the the best country in the fucking world yeah and uh and and when you when you peel back that curtain and you start looking around you're like hey there's some there's some broken shit around. No, no, no. Nothing to see. <laughs> we're the greatest. And you're like, um, my buddy just, they had a baby. They had to pay $30,000. I thought, no, no, no. It's, <laughs> like, we could fix some shit around here. Yeah. No, no. We're the
0: greatest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the same way also. I mean, I really do. It's like, we don't, it, it to me, it, I always say my, perf, my impression of the United States is there is uh is there uh, every white man person in the united states is usa 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 yeah you know it, 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 that, that's yeah. it, it, that's every guy guy every white guy murka yeah murka <laughs> yeah it's it's it's
1: a uh, it's cult-like and then we're seeing that more and more in the last few years uh you know uh that that uh that cult mentality you know of, uh you know I, I saw a tiktok the other day that said uh the biggest red flag right now is the american flag and i wow. couldn't agree more that's a <laughs> great I mean? one like, that's a great one
0: yeah a, but yeah. but do you okay but do you think that like i feel though like it has it's been better than times past i feel like well you know, we we talk bad about this younger generation, but I think they have a right. a little better grasp on things like now where it's like you know where sometimes people you know of a certain age or my age or whatever look up man they kind of soft and I go, you know what it's kind of cool in a way they're embracing this, I kind of like that you know, I like that newness, I like yeah. that they're saying, you know what i'm I'm not okay or you know I have anxiety I mean granted, some of them are like, okay, you're kind of milking this, you need to man up a little yeah, bit yeah you know but but i but i i I welcome that more than the other, you know, like you said. There was a time when you couldn't express any kind of feelings other than like you said. Yeah, no. but th- that's perfect. Punch, did you punch something? Did you go shoot something? I mean, that that was the mentality oh, yeah. of, of, of so long. But now, it, I think, it, do you feel it's a little better?
1: Oh, I, I yeah, I'm loving the generation coming up behind me, and what I love most about them is they're they're tearing down these walls of traditionalism, right? Yeah. So most of them aren't even homeowners; they're buying a van. Everybody under 25 lives in a fucking van. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's getting married these days. Religion is going down, so you have all of these things that our generation questioned, but still had to go through because our parents, you know, our gatekeepers were like, "No, you have to get married because your brother got married." You're like, "Okay." I guess I'll get married. And then, you know... Or uh, you have to go to church because I had to go to church. And now my generation is is becoming the the gatekeepers. And the generation after me is saying, Well, I don't really want to buy a house. And we're like, You can do that. You don't have to buy a house. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to get married. You're like, well, don't get married then. <laughs> like, well, I want to do that. You're like, well, oh, dude, work from home. I don't give a shit. <laughs> All the things that we were <laughs> we'll wanting to home. do. Yeah. Yeah. This generation's like, I'm just gonna do, like, I'm not, you know, I'm again, like, I'm gonna, I'm
0: not gonna do that. And we're like, oh man, that sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what I love about this special. You packed into 28 minutes to me. What, man, I mean, you hit on so many topics perfectly that I mean, it it just, like I said, it stirred my soul. The part that you just mentioned it that I really wanna talk to you about, and I didn't realize it, but it's made me question it was, I didn't know you were atheist, man. And I've always wanted to talk to somebody about that because I was like, I've always, and I can't see him full fledged atheist, whatever. But I mean, for for me, and I always, I kind of use it as a joke, and it never works, whatever, because I think, because I think people are reg- regimented in their thinking. But I always said, because you know, black people go to church more than anybody, and re- racially. I mean, eighty three percent of African Americans go to church. And I've always wanted to ask him, yeah. has it ever really worked for us as a group? If you really think about it. <laughs> I mean as a group as a group for black people has it ever really worked for us because you know if you're working with a black woman where they always say I'm too blessed to be stressed and I'm like really I mean (laughs) is it really working for us I mean because if we were if we were a football team we'd be the Cleveland Browns would we not I mean we have great players (laughs) but we've never been a cohesive unit you know what I mean so it's like and I always do that bit I try that bit every time in in Little Rock and it it always fails miserably but it's like but I, I I But no one ever, like they put up a wall and and they don't want to hear reasoning or, you know, like a different thought and different thought. And that's all I'm asking, Mm -hmm. like a little, not even a debate, maybe a debate, but can it be a friendly debate? I mean, they get angry, like, 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 really, like, I'm just asking you, like, you know, how come black people can't be atheists? I mean, and, and if they are, they feel shunned, like some, some, some are even afraid. It's almost like the white version of saying, Mama got a black boyfriend. I think black people are afraid of going, Hey, I really don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean that's how I feel. So like yeah. for you, were you always like that or, or did, or did, did that come about, uh, through trauma or whatever?
1: Um, it was one of the things where like, you know, I grew up in the Midwest and, and so everybody's religious there, you know, right. and, uh, and you, you just kind of have to pick your team and, and move forward. And so we were Baptist, but we were holiday Baptist. So we would go to church on Easter and Christmas, you know, whenever the Lord was really making his list. Uh, <laughs> and so, so, yes. you know, we would, uh, we would do that. So, and then, um. As I got older, I, you know, other kids were really involved in church, you know, some of them and, and all that stuff. And I never really understood it, you know, and uh, and then as I got older, I just got more far and away from me, you know, and I was around less and less people that were kind of involved in those kind of activities. So it never really was on my mind or thinking about it. And then later in life, uh, it was it was one of those ideas where it just became uh, almost funny in a way you know to be like oh you think there's somebody up there like like there's a manager upstairs like, <laughs> checking yeah. out, like watching like every everything yeah oh okay sure that's happening and so and the older i got the, and the more freedom i had of course being able to say that to folks you know and not in a shitty way i even talk about it in a special i'm fascinated by religion i i I I love seeing how other people worship and the, and the cultures, but that's more about people than it is about the religion itself. Right, and doing those jokes are not easy. And what you were talking about, like whenever I try these jokes, it, you know it doesn't work. And as it, the the religion jokes. Are the hardest jokes I've had to to work on in this in, in my career. The suicide stuff, the grief, the depression, all of that was way easier to talk about, and people had way more open minds than ever with the religion. Crowds would shut down on me. Yes, um, I had a uh, I had a lady in Texas, uh, <laughs> a lady in Texas, yelling out at me, "You need Jesus. You don't need therapy. You need Jesus. Jesus will set you right." And I said, uh, and, and to your point, I said, uh, I said, can I just run an idea by you? Can, 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 we, just, can we just have a conversation real quick and, and then I'll, I'll leave it alone? And she goes, of course. And I said, okay. And it's a full house, by the way. She's like third row. Yeah. And I go, imagine, imagine all that power and all that energy that you're just releasing into the sky. Imagine what would happen if you would point that inward into yourself And you would be filled with all this love and and joy, and it would spill. It would overspill. You would have so much of it, and you could do great things for your family and your community, and you could really make a change in your life and and in your community and your family's life because all that love and all that energy would just be spilling over you because you're, you're pouring it inside yourself. But instead, you're giving it away. You're giving all that power away. I just want you to realize how powerful you are, and the change that you could actually make in yourself, in your family, and in your community. And she goes, "Nope, you need Jesus."
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) They don't. They don't. There's no other. You can't talk to them. You there's can't. No other, I mean, it, there's no other way. You can't, and and but you know what? Yo, you, you got to come in. You know, what I like to do when they, when, they, when if they're if they're white, they're white, and then they have that kind of racial thing. I like to come in with a, yeah. with, with a black angle. Like really? So you think? Uh, nope. And they, and they don't want to hear about it. Well, you know, you yeah. know, Jesus wasn't Eastern. I don't want to hear about it. he's white. I mean, <laughs> they, they they just don't. <laughs> there, there's no other point of view. I mean, there's no. Other, it, yeah, it's 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 my like I I don't know if I can go full fledged atheist, but i I drunk, but the atheism fascinates me because I go, and I'm not afraid to, like, I went to go see the movie uh, All Hell Satan. You know, and the thing about the, yeah, it's called all hell. And, and it's funny because in the satanic Bible, right, in the, in the Ten Commandments of the satanic Bible, you know, one of their things is don't harm children. And, you know, like the other Bible, they, they can't really say that. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, you, you don't want to bring that up to them, but it's the truth. I mean, granted, there's some other stuff, but there's a thin line between love and hate. There's a thin line between atheism and, and Satan. So it's like, you know, say if you're really looking at Satanism, it really isn't as like they like they portray it to be with the sacrifice and all that stuff. I mean, you gotta look into yeah. it. I think people are afraid to, but like you said, religion does fascinate me because but the thing about that is, I don't and I don't know if you agree with it, is it centers on faith. And faith is the one thing that's the one center of all religion. And so I use that as like books like The Secret help me yeah. in secret uh project 369 that's another book that i love and it's yeah. like you release positive energy out into the world and a lot of positivity yes. gets that vibration going and i was just gonna
1: say i i'm an atheist but i believe in prayer which always throws people for a loop and yeah. uh but it's not the idea of praying to god and god's answering again like like a like a fuck like, like he's the manager you know what i mean like i'm not sending <laughs> comment cards up to him yeah uh, but what I believe in is what you just touched on is that that energy. And when you sync up a room full of people, if you have a church full of 100 to 200 people and they're all focusing on one thing and they're all focusing that energy on, you know, fixing little Timmy's leg or whatever the fuck, <laughs> it's it's probably going to do something because <laughs> because you're... <laughs> again that power that we hold within ourselves when you point it towards something or when you collect it and point it towards it's like the care bearers you gotta fucking, yeah. <laughs> you point that energy that towards something and it and it does something you know what i mean yes. so it's not the idea that we're praying to god and god is like going over his, his email it, that's what gmail is right it's God's email. so he's just it's just he's on his Gmail and he's like, "Well, I got a message about little Timmy's leg. Let me, uh, yep, read." And then you know his that doesn't happen. Yeah. But if you have two hundred people focusing and really, you know, almost in a meditative state, yes, bringing their powers and their thoughts and their love together and pointing it at 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 something, an actual action happening, I believe in that. Yes, and and that's
0: uh, it gets the it gets the positive yeah. vibrations, and you can and you can actually record that vibration. Yeah. You feel that vibration. It's like when somebody. I remember one time, you know, like when yeah. I lived in L. A. There's a car park right in front of our house, and I, and as soon as those guys got out, I got this bad feeling that came over me, and those guys end up like uh, shooting these guys. You know, I mean, they didn't kill. They just went like kind of like a, not drive by, but they came out and shoot, shot those guys. <laughs> but I had that. feeling yeah, you know, how you pull up on your friends, you're yeah. like, Hey, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But, it's a, it, it, but, but you feel that vibration. So you feel a negative oh, no, and a positive. It, yeah. So if everybody is in a, a positive state, you know what I mean? It's going to, it's it right. transferred out to the universe and it gets a positive vibration going. And to me, that's what church is like. Like you said, all that prayer is going to fix little Timmy's leg. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. If you got all those, like you, you put out on Facebook, I need my prayer warriors. I mean, whatever. Yeah. And, and that's what yeah. that is. It's a, just a lot of positive vibrations. but they don't want to hear that.
1: No, they don't. No, hear it. it's got to be, it's, it's God or bust. And you're like, all right, man, whatever
0: yeah that's again
1: that 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 lady was just so stuck on the idea didn't want to hear another option at all and it was so funny (laughs) nope you
0: need jesus (laughs) yeah i mean it's like okay whatever in a way do you find in a way that's kind of frustrating that um that that's it's not a really big part of your act, which is weird. Like I wanted you to go deeper right. into that, man. I really wanted to, because I was really fascinated on that. Like the depression hit me hard, harder than I thought it was going yeah. to. That and you talk about suicide, that hit me harder than I thought. That snuck up on me like like a thief in the night. Like whoa, I wasn't ready for that. But then I was really fascinated by that. And when you talked about being an atheist, I'm like, and that's when I was like, oh, I really want to talk to you about that. That really, really, really gets me going. It really does, man. Because we, I mean, we come, we basically come yeah. from the same place. You know, in the Midwest. You know what I mean? So. Right. And, and it's beaten into you. I'm literally. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: And I, I there was a joke in there that, that I I took out that was uh that I stopped doing. It was just like, you know, uh this is true. They they dated this all the way back to the idea of um, you know, cavemen would uh would would take pieces of their of their great warriors when they would die, or ant or big animals when they would kill them, like lions and bears and these mammoths. Like they would, uh, they would after they killed them or a great warrior would die, they would cut up their bodies and they would they would drink some of the blood and they would eat pieces of them because they thought that a piece of a great warrior or a great big animal like that would give them the strength and the power of whatever it just passed on. Right. And that's where the idea stems from of drinking the blood of Christ and eating his body because it gives you the power of Christ and all this stuff, which is scientific proof that uh, Christians are just as dumb as fucking cavemen. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> oh man. I wish you would have left that. But in I it. can't oh. see. And again, it's too, it's too harsh. So I take, <laughs>
1: uh, I love that. So doing that joke in Texas was, really uh <laughs> really difficult uh and so i just i took it out all together because again you in comedy you want people to come together and the idea of, of all of us having again uh, a, a positive interaction and a positive debate right so like it's easy to just be like hey you're fucking dumb and you're fucking dumb you know you just go back and forth yeah. for hours um, but to actually have an, an engaging conversation with somebody and not turn them off it w- w- was the goal. And that, especially when it talks about religion, because, again, they put up their walls, they're, you know, they, they, they know what they know, and, and, and they usually are, are a little too stubborn to, to change that mentality. So something like that turns them off and immediately, you know, whatever. Um, so I like to keep the, the dialogue open and friendly and, and, and all that stuff.
0: Right. And how long did it take you to get to that point? I mean, were there nights where like, okay, this isn't going well, I'm gonna go back into the old stick, you know? I mean, how, how, how did, I mean, did it ever get to that yeah. point where, I mean, cause always we see the, the finished product, you know, we don't, right. we don't see the pizza being made like, were there nights where you go, yeah. oh boy. Okay. I got to go back and go, go back to the lab and and do this and blah. And then, but, I mean, how yeah. long did it take to get to that point?
1: There were, uh, you know, when you know what's interesting is I heard this podcast with uh, Chappelle and Bill Burr and Kevin Hart, and uh, Bill was talking about coming up in Boston and New York, and um, this is just recently, this is about six months ago I heard this, yeah, and uh, and Bill was talking about coming up in Boston and New York, and he was killing in the main rooms, and but he was getting shit from like Rich Voss and Patrice O'Neill and. about not going to the the urban rooms or the city rooms and and doing comedy because you know he was too scared or whatever so it wasn't a real comic or whatever and so <laughs> yeah. bill took that as a challenge and bill was like okay you want me to go fucking kill in these in these urban rooms you got it and so bill would start going to those urban rooms the main rooms and he would kill in both and just absolutely destroy him he, he became undeniable yeah and uh and that way it would, it would, it would show that like, no, I am a real fucking comic. Like it's, you know, this is for everybody. And Chappelle chimed in and he was like, I love that idea because when you start doing comedy, you, your idea of it is, is it's for everybody, but then you get stuck working the mainstream rooms or you get stuck in a certain, you know, whatever uh, circuit uh, that you're in and you don't branch out. A lot of comics don't branch out, but comedy needs to be for everybody. And, uh, and so that hit me in a way, in a different way of like, okay, this material about suicide and depression and religion and all these things that needs to be for everybody. I can't just cater to my base, to the people that are, you know, on the mental health, you know, awareness side and all of those things. It's easy to cater to them, but it needs to hit people that aren't thinking about that. It needs to hit people that are uncomfortable with talking about religion. It needs to hit people that are uncomfortable about. Uh, depression and these these kind of talk like how do I make it for everybody and I was doing a show out here in Ventura one night and there was guys and some trucker hats and flannels and all that sitting in the back and I was like oh man I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna do the big the big clothes tonight you know yeah. <laughs> like i to just yeah. you know, i do something else and I was gonna check it out and I thought about that conversation and I thought no it needs to be for everybody and i did it that night i did all the jokes and they came up afterwards and they were like man i've been really struggling and i'm so glad you talked about that or and one guy lost his brother to suicide and he he was talking to me about it and and so when you when you have those those nights when you don't want to do it those are the nights you should definitely fucking do it yes um uh, you got to get out of that you got to break that habit you got to get out of your shell because again in that silence or in that uncomfortability that's where real growth is and that's where all the good shit is yes uh, again you can you can fucking do cat jokes all night long and and kill Any, anybody like, open micers kill but are you connecting with an audience yes. and how are you connecting with them
0: Okay, yeah. Talking again, uh, talking about technical difficulties, but back again about connecting with the audience. And that's what I was, and that's why you had more balls than me, man. And like, I, I feel like I want to, and I just, I, I just, I want that laugh, and I can't get the laugh. I don't, I don't know how far I can go without, but, but basically, not trusting myself. You know what I mean? And that's the part that I, I, I struggle with is trusting you myself.
1: Know, you know, it's like, um, it's like uh, when you're working on a You know, when comics ask me about new material, new jokes, when you're working on those, the advice I always give is to keep a parachute in your pocket. You know what I mean? So like you have to have a joke that, you know, works under any circumstance and it's got to be quick and fast and it hits and it hits on every crowd. It doesn't matter if they're old, young, whatever uh, race. It doesn't matter. Like you have to have a bulletproof joke. Everybody has one. You keep that in your fucking pocket. And then you do all your new stuff. And if you're really fucking bombing, you take that joke out and you pull the shoot. It's like that when you're talking about the uncomfortable stuff, you dig deeper, you share your stuff. And if you're really feeling like you need to get the fuck out of there, fucking pull your shoot and get it out of there. But, and again, like I I really, you know, and it's not, I will say this, it's, it's not for everybody. It's not easy to start, doing and start talking about those those things it's 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 definitely not you have to be really comfortable and, and silence the first few times you do it um but you have to keep your eye on the payoff and realize that uh you know it's important what you're saying and it's part of you and it's part of what you want to be talking about and for me that was the major thing was like i'm i'm so Done with the small talk kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Isn't toast weird? Like I don't give a fuck about that. Yeah, I want (laughs) to. Yeah, I want to. I want to talk about the the real stuff. And um, and that's not for everybody. And and that's okay. Um. But uh, but for me, I was just I was done with with those other jokes and I wanted to get more into storytelling and get more into my story. And the whole hour is not, you know, I was I recorded an hour that night and I'm only sharing uh, the, the last half of it. Um, uh, The first half is is. You know, big energy stories, you know, about going to Six Flags on Mother's Day with my girlfriend and her daughter and, you know, all the stuff that, that you know, that's a big like 10 or, or, or 12 minute piece, you know, and stuff like that. So there's other things there that I that I do that I enjoy. And then I and then I I it's almost like a a little for them, a little for me, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so the crowd's not going there and just getting bummed out every night. We're having fun. It's a good show. And then, and then we get real. Yeah. And I, I think that's important too. How
0: when you do you still struggle with, with the passing of your parents? And do you, I mean, do you still struggle with oh, that every day?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, there's a quote that I love that I heard um, that is, uh, 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 it doesn't hurt any less. It hurts less often. And, um, that's, that really hits me is, um, you know, there are still some mornings that I wake up and I, I've, I've had dreams of my mother and I talking or being with her or whatever. And, and then I wake up and I, I feel like, Oh, I, I need to call her. I haven't talked to her in a long time. And I have to remind myself, Oh, she, she's gone. I, I can't do that. And those, uh, that's a very real feeling. And it hurts just as much in that moment, realizing like reminding myself that she's no longer here. It hurts just as hard and just as deep when I found out the first time that she wasn't here. And, uh, but it's spread out. It's not happening every morning. It's not even happening once a month, I would say, but it, it does happen. And when it does, it hits me just as hard.
0: How was it, man, how hard was it when doing comedy, say after I me, mean, after it initially first happened? Like, how did you, t- you take a break and how did you get through it?
1: Uh, when Wayne passed, my stepfather, uh, we I lost Wayne um, and then a year later, uh, I lost my mother. So I lost both of them back to back. Um, but I lost, when I lost Wayne, I took two weeks off tour to be with my mom and to just kind of be with myself, you know, and then, and then I went down to North Carolina and started doing shows again. And when mom passed, I did the same thing. I took two weeks off and then I went right back on tour. And I, a matter of fact, when mom passed, I was flying out to do shows, flying back to Ohio to clean out her house and, you know, the house that I lived in since I was, uh, you know, 11 years old. And, and, uh, And going through all those boxes and memories and photos and everything during the week, and then flying out on a Thursday or Friday to Seattle or wherever to do a weekend full of shows, and then coming back on Monday to go through all her stuff.
0: Now, now were you writing jokes about that, or or are you just doing your like your same act or whatever? And you just have to kind of block it away, or how are you? What was that process like?
1: With Wayne, it was. With Wayne, I, I noticed different when I first started doing shows. I had Thursday, Friday, Saturday shows. And Thursday and Friday, I did jokes about Wayne as if he were still alive and well. And I didn't change one word. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I remember feeling like I was lying to the audience, like I was cheating them or deceiving them. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't, I don't know, I just wasn't being honest.
0: Yeah.
1: And... um so Saturday night I switched things up and I started talking about Wayne in past tense. And then I shared with the audience just briefly after the, the big, you know, I had like four or five jokes about Wayne and, uh, I would share, we, you know, we just, Wayne just passed and, you know, and, uh, and then I would move on. And then after that show, those shows on Saturday night, this, this old man came up to me after the show, gave me a great big hug and he told me how much he loved the show and he smelled just like Wayne. And, Wayne had like, you know, old white guy cologne, but it was old white guy
0: cologne. <laughs> like only, only he
1: wore, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I never smelled another old white dude that smelled like him. And I took it as, again, you know, not not being a religious person, but I believe in, again, energies and signs and right. all that stuff. And so I took it as a sign of being like, okay, uh, this, this is, I'm on to something. I need to be, I need to be more honest on stage and I need to, I'm not going to hide the fact that I'm hurting or that Wayne's passed or whatever. I'm, I'm this, this is a a new leaf for me. And so when mom passed, um, it took me a little bit more time to process. And I found myself, uh, abusing marijuana. Like I was like, I was high, unless I was asleep, I was fucking baked and Mm -hmm. I was just numb. And, uh, I was like that for the probably, probably 10 months. I was just constantly high so much to the fact that in order for me to process grief, I would only process it in my sleep when I was sobering up. So I would wake up at like five in the morning in a complete like crying. And I mean, like bawling my eyes, out. not just like, Oh, I woke up sad. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the middle of a hardcore tears rolling down my face, bawling my eyes out cry because that was the only time my mind would sober up and process what was happening was in my sleep when I didn't have access to, to keep getting high and and to keep, you know, uh, numbing myself. Um, so that, that took a while. And, uh, Yeah. And I I think I, I think I burned some bridges that way that I don't, I don't, you know, you can't prove, but there are certain clubs that I I don't work anymore. I don't get as much work from and this and that, because I was just on autopilot for almost a year. Uh, I mean, I wasn't bad or, or, you know, being corrupt or anything. I wasn't, you know, I was just zoned out and I was just on, I mean, I was still doing well, but just, I wasn't writing anything new. I wasn't really excited to be there. I wasn't a dick or anything, but I just wasn't, hey, what's going on? Yeah. It was just come in, do the show, get out of there, go back to the hotel, get high, go to bed.
0: But, but did you explain that to uh, them? Did you explain it to the clubs? Like say, hey, I'm kind of going through something or this and that, or you just, you just didn't, you just came in like. No,
1: I didn't, I didn't want to shake the, at the time, it was two things. I didn't really know how bad I was because when you're in it, you're in it. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, so I didn't have the gift of hindsight then, and then, and then um, also I didn't want to shake the boat. You know what I mean? You know how it is. Work is so fickle yeah. that you're afraid to. You know, you're over tipping wait- waitresses. You're, you know, yeah. you're doing whatever you can. You're just happy to be there. Yeah. Um. And and that's how I I would always operated. So for me to be able to say something or to speak up, I thought oh I would I would ruin uh, my relationship with them, or they wouldn't work me again or something like that. Even, um, when Brad, when, uh, when Wayne passed, I was working Brad Garrett's club and I found out midweek and I didn't say anything to Brad. I didn't say anything to the staff. It was my first time working with Brad being there and all that. Yeah. And I just finished my week. Uh, had great shows. Uh, we went out for new year's, the whole deal. I didn't say one word to it. And then, Went home immediately and and went to Wayne's funeral and and all that stuff. Or I went to go see Wayne in the hospital and and all that. So um, so even in those moments where I thought Wayne was going to pass any minute, I still kept my head down and just did the work because uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to rock the boat. Wow.
0: When did you When yeah. did you realize? Okay, fuck it. I need help.
1: Oh man, it was. Uh, I had reached out for therapy and again, you know, I talk about it. like, that's all true. It took them two and a half months for them to find somebody for me. I could tell
0: tell that was true. I could tell the way you said that. I I knew it was, yeah. Yeah.
1: It was was rough finding help. And then, you know, cause you get to a point where like I should tell somebody and then you do. And they're like, please hold. And you're (laughs) like, okay. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, So I, I delve really, really deep into self-care i started reading books you know again it was like everything else in my life i'm like fine i'll do it myself yeah (laughs) you know and uh you know i've never been one to wait for gatekeepers and uh (laughs) so i'm like well it looks like i'm doing it myself so i i dealt you know uh, i started going on on bike rides and hiking and getting out nature and getting you know uh getting out there and, and reading books and, and meditating and doing all that stuff before getting into therapy. But there are moments where, um, you know, even my best friend you know, we, we talked about it and, and, you know, back in again with hindsight, he's like, I didn't know how bad you were. He's like, I thought you were fucking with me. And he's like, I thought you were just too lazy to get out of bed or this or that. I was like, no, I was telling you pretty openly that I, I wanted to fucking die. And he's like, yeah, I thought you were just fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, man, no, man, really wanted out this bitch. <laughs> really was trying to peace out, dude. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, again, I was, I found myself when I was touring, doing the thing that I love and doing the thing that I've done, you know, I've, I've done my whole life and, and spent my life doing, um, uh, once that no longer became exciting and I, it was struggling to get out of bed, just to shower, to do, to go do a show and and go right back to bed. Like it was then that I was like, okay, I I need to really, really fucking buckle down and get some help.
0: Did did it feel like a, like a, when you, uh, during that period, you like, was it hard to wake up when you did? Did you feel like a a weight on your chest? I mean, did you feel like, fuck, I don't want to, did you feel like you woke up in the darkness?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, just so much just no energy to do anything and no give a fuck at all you know um and i still have those days you know it it comes and goes i had a again, i had a woman in texas come up to me after my show and she goes i'm glad you got over that depression thing (laughs) (laughs) like like it was the flu yep i beat it uh COVID so and depression. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: that's
1: what a lot of people don't realize too, is with, with depression, it comes and goes. And I think with depression and grief and all of these things that we're talking about, I don't think I don't think you ever truly beat it. Yeah. I think you you learn to live with it and you learn how to manage it and you and you uh and you suppress it and you and you you learn more about yourself and about it. Um whether it be grief or depression or whatever. And you, you learn how to maintain with it. You learn how to move on, move forward with it. Um, And again, I, you know, I talk about this in my book. Uh, You know, it's, it's the weight that you're carrying, right? And you have to decide how much you want to carry and what's important, what do you need? What can you get rid of? And what can you let go of? And the more weight that you let go of, the easier it is, it's going to be to move forward in life. And I look at grief and depression and all those things and and those feelings that I was having. I look at those as, as bags and you can only take so many with you and, and it's going to be uncomfortable if you have 10 bags of fucking luggage, right. And you're trying to carry it all around. So let some of those go, let some of those things go that you can't change. And because you're going to have guilt Uh, grief grief's best friend is guilt you know you you always have that look back of did i do enough was i there for them what when they needed me what did i show up what could i have done better what could i you know you have all of those thoughts and i have all those with my mother and with wayne you know um and and you have to choose what am i going to carry with me and and what can i let go of
0: man to be able to do have to go out there and make people laugh and, and try to, you know, cause people look at us as the one, as we're almost their therapy. And, you know, yeah. and, but you're sitting there, I'm sure just heart wrenched and just fucking, you're dying inside on stage and you got to get, but you realize this is your job. Our job is to make you feel good. Our job is to make you leave and go, Hey, man, thanks. And you just going, okay, not really. And they don't realize your fucking heart. I mean, you're, you're falling apart inside. That has got to be the hardest yeah. fucking thing in the world to do, man. I mean, because I mean, you know, I've had, you know, the the, the typical breakup, you break up before you go on stage. Like, you fucking see, you go through that yeah. shit. But I can't imagine this shit, man. I mean, you had it all within a certain amount of time. I mean, you you said it with well, Wayne and your mom, I think your grandma. What was the time period of everybody passing in your life?
1: I've been to 15 funerals in the past five years. 15. Um, and three, for me started really young, you know, I lost, uh, I lost my, my grandfather when I was 10, I lost my uncle, Mike a year after that. And then I lost my father a year after that. So my, you know, that 10 to 12 area is, is real dark for me anyway. You know, I lost all these male figures in my life. Um, and it was just pretty much my mom and my grandmother raising me and and taking care of me. And then Wayne came into the picture when I was uh, 15 and he was great. And then, um, you know, flash forward to uh, I lost Wayne when I was 30, mom when I was 31, and then, um, and then grandma just last year. And Grandma's the one, uh, you know, we thought we were going to lose way before that, you know. And so when I would go home <laughs> to visit, I would usually spend more time with grandma or make sure I saw her and spend time with her thinking that she was going to be the you know the first to go and and it was it was the opposite she was the last to go um and it was just and and again she's pretty much like the last pillar to fall in, in my childhood of like who raised me and who was there for me and and that, and that kind of stuff so
0: the way you put, and I don't want to ruin it for you because we're going to release this. This comes out next. week. I told you I want to release this the night before. in special drops. If you know, that's okay, Wyatt. Yeah. But and I don't want to ruin it for you. But God damn, man, the way you book in that, yeah. that was good that was good thank you no it was it was good I, mm, mm. told you motherfucker that thing hit me hard i told you god <laughs> damn you god damn you i fucking hate you now fuck. it. Was, fuck
1: fuck there was one night i got caught up in there when i was building the the last special there was a you know the big ending and i talk about um i talk about laying in your mess. And I, I was running that, that set. Uh, I had to run it every night before, before we recorded. And I, so I ran it five nights in a row. I'd never, I've never done that, that closer that many times, uh, you know, I, I would pick and choose crowds back mm-hmm. in the day when I felt like they needed to hear it or when I liked them and stuff. And uh, so I had to run it every night. And I was getting caught up in all those emotions and I never had exposed myself to it that much. And one of those nights I I riffed about that idea of, of laying in your mess and how we're trained to think that you have to get right back up and you have to get back on the horse and all the things. I think that's wrong. I think you have to lay in your mess. I think you have to really look at the damage around you before you can stand up and and move forward. Um, And uh, I came off stage that night and just locked myself in the green room and just, just bawled my eyes out. And that was early show Saturday. <laughs> so I had to go <laughs> right back on and do it all over again, you know, in an hour whenever they cleared all the chicken fingers out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So,
0: God damn.
1: So it's lot yeah. easy to talk about and, and you get caught up in it and it is you, 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 you know, you, it, it is, you know, the material is, material until it's until it's really close to you and and doing those this uh talking about grandma and talking about mom and in these ways uh really it took a lot out of me to do but i felt like it was important again so people can see it and connect to it and and not feel like they're the only ones that's hurting
0: fuck man that shit was there like i said that shit it hit me, man. I mean, fucking harder than I thought I was going to. I was like, okay, let I me mean, watch. So, so when I do talk, I want to, you know, talk on it. And I was like, God damn you! And just fuck, just talking about it just now. It's like, so, so, yeah. you know, I would finish on a, on a high. <laughs> like, no, so, yeah, where, yeah. so, so, where do you go from here now? Like, what do you do? What do you do? I mean, how you feeling right. now? Where are you going from here? How do you? I mean, how's your mental? The, uh, everything? How 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 are you? Yeah,
1: everything's great you know what i mean like it's uh i'm back in therapy i'm i'm doing all the stuff i'm back on tour and i and i'm trying to um i'm trying to uh do more in get more into storytelling uh for the next chapter of my career and so uh i would like to build a show that is uh you know sharing stories out of my book and and mixed with traditional stand up and so it would be like a hybrid of uh it'll be more kind of like a one man show and less like stand up and, yeah. and, and uh and trying to get out of the club scene and get into theater spaces and stuff like that. And so that's kind of where I see things going, uh for me at least, is trying to get into that more storytelling vibe in and in, in in a major way, in a, in a bigger way. Uh, Goddamn. So yeah.
0: Beautiful, man. God damn. I mean, if you guys get a chance, please. It's on me on YouTube, right? YouTube?
1: Yeah. Yep. I'm just putting it out on YouTube and uh, you can also check out, I just put up a series called monsters. Uh, I just put it up in, uh, in February. Um, And it, uh, (laughs) it kind of goes hand in hand with this where I took a handful of comics. There's five episodes. uh, I shot a live show of them on stage and then I sit down with them individually one-on-one in a studio. And we talk about the trauma that's hiding behind their punchlines and each episode is themed um to to the comic and so it cuts back and forth between them killing on stage and then us talking having a, a one-on-one intimate conversation and then killing and then studio killing studio and each episode is themed with uh ones about addiction ones about grief ones about body positivity um family uh, so it's it's they're all there um and they're streaming on youtube right now and it's called monsters and uh we're getting i'm gearing up for season two of that with five other comics and so it was a project i really loved really was passionate about and i think we you know you always hear again that comics are broken and you have all these stories but well, we find out too late you know it's always usually after yeah. they pass they're like you know he had a real problem with like, well, why didn't anybody talk about it and you yeah. know and, and, and yeah. you listen to joe rogan for four hours just to hear bill burr talk about his his, his mean dad for nine minutes and yeah. i'm like why aren't we just Talking about the mean dad for a little while. (laughs) So that was kind of the idea behind monsters. And so that's what it does. It introduces you to a comic and lets you see their material. And then also who they really are and, and the trauma that's kind of hiding behind those punchlines.
0: Fucking brilliant. Mike, that's man. Great. I mean, that is great. I love wait and see you guys got to see, you gotta, gotta see, wait and see. And I and, and maybe, <laughs> <wait> and see. <laughs> maybe it's just me. I, I almost wanted you to stop almost like a Chappelle style. I think you said temporary. You said something and you stuck that go. Oh, I, I, I wanted to end there, but then how you ended it, yeah. it was like, perfect. Like I said, that whole thing was just, I mean, uh, I mean it's going to speak to you. Like I said, man, this motherfucker gets in your soul and he stirs it around. And if you don't feel anything from this, hey, man, if you don't feel anything from this, then you are the aliens that we talk about that have invaded the plane. That's what I feel. If you don't feel anything from this, man, I don't think you're from this earth. Michael Malone, goddamn, man, it's good to see you. You've always, man, I've always respected you. But now, man, you're just at another level as far as, you know, digging deep. Within that reservoir of life and emotions and feeling, and you got it, man. It's like it's like that from from uh, Indiana Jones when he reaches that soul and takes out the heart. <laughs> That's where you're at, bro. That's where your comedy's at, and it hits deep, and it and it's always funny and it's good and it hits the heart. So, man, Mike, much much success to you, brother. And I ha- and I love this special. God bless you, Thank brother. You. I mean it. Thank
1: you so much. No, so good seeing you, man.
0: It's great seeing you. I
1: can't wait. I can't wait to see you in real
0: life. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to it. I really do, man. I mean, I mean that. Look forward to it. Thank you so much for your time, Michael. Malone, you are the man, bro. Man, you look good. Thank you so much. Keep your mentals up, my man. Thank you so much. Watch for Tales from a Gemini. I'm BT. You know how we say about this time. You know the word. Hey